Hi, uh, Bishop and Doctor. We are happy to be with you today. And uh, we bless you and bless your wonderful congregation. Uh, and so I want to actually uh, go right into, uh, you know, because people might be hungry, I want to go right into the word of the Lord <laughs> so that at six o'clock we don't have a revolt on our hands. And although, you know, of course, if the Lord wants to go longer than those can, uh, we will. But we're going to begin reading from Isaiah 53, verses four through six, Isaiah 53, verses four through six. And it might be on the screen. Yes, it is. Okay, it's on the screen. Now, this is a very, very, very uh, beautiful, powerful, tremendous, precious, um, delicious word God has for you as a congregation uh, to begin your year. But this is for the rest of your lives. And I have to admit to you, this is only the opening salvo. Okay, uh, there's so much more that I have to download, but we'll allow your pastors to tell us how to format that going forward in the future. But uh, we, will, we will launch it today. Okay, so Isaiah 53 verses four through six. And verse four says, we're reading from the Passion Translation and it will be on the screen in a minute or so, but I'm gonna read verse four. Yet he was the one who carried our sicknesses and endured the torment of our sufferings. We viewed him as one who was being punished for something he himself had done. As one who was struck down by God and brought low. Verse five, but it, it was because of our emphasis on our rebellious deeds that he was pierced and because of our sins that he was crushed. He endured the punishment that made us completely whole and in his wounding we found our healing. Verse 6, like wayward sheep we have all wandered astray. Each of us has turned from God's path and chosen our own way. Even so, Yahweh laid the guilt of, again, our every sin upon him. And verse 10, Isaiah 53 also, even though it pleased Yahweh to crush him with grief, he will be restored to favor. After his soul becomes a guilt offering, and it was, he will gaze upon his many offspring. That will be us. That's a reference to us and all that come into this glorious salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and prolong his days. He is the eternal God. Uh, he ever liveth. And in fact, Hebrews tells us that he ever lives at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us right now he is making intercession for us and through him Yahweh's deepest desires will be fully accomplished this might be the crescendo of it all and and through him Yahweh's deepest desires will be fully accomplished so everything that Yahweh deeply desired in the purpose to send Christ uh, his only begotten son to the earth to walk among us those three and a half years 
to the cross, to the grave, to experience the resurrection from the dead and to be seated after ascending to the right hand of the Father. But the deepest desires we hear were focused on us. The deepest dreams of God were focused on us. And Jesus came as our sacrifice, as our go-between, as our conduit, as the pathway. And I would say even the bridge that causes us to cross over that would be Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And through him, Yahweh's deepest desires for us, for the world, for his kingdom, for all eternity, for his rule and reign, his deepest desires are fully accomplished in Jesus. So all that he did, and which is described in Isaiah 53, now, remember that many biblical scholars consider the Old Testament major prophet Isaiah to also be one of the gospel writers. They, they have joined him with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? Because Isaiah's exact explicit description of the Lord's suffering in both chapters 52 and 53 uh, is, is more descriptive, is more uh, comprehensive and exhaustive than even what the gospel writers themselves wrote in the New Testament. That Isaiah received this unbelievable, precise vision from Father God to share with all of us. And of course, this was written back in the Old Testament, but God foretold what God so blatantly spoke, so voluminously spoke in these chapters about what the Messiah, the Christ, would endure and experience for us. You notice how many times these verses said, our, our sins, our transgressions, our, our, it was all for us. Now, if you look back at verse, look back at verse four, this is describing the cost that was required to bring us salvation. In verse four, it says that he carried our sicknesses. It was the Lord himself who carried already our sicknesses and he endured the torment of our sufferings. Those sufferings were meant for us all of this was meant for us, but he stepped in willingly, lovingly, graciously, generously, and he carried it for us. And we looked at him and said, this guy's being punished for something really gross, right? But no, it was not for himself that he did it. It was for us. He was struck down by God and brought low for us. Why? Because God is a holy God. And for us to uh, experience and for it to be realized, for us to be that part of his deepest desire to be his sons and daughters 
then it required for someone to pay the price that a holy God required, that holiness required. And so in verse five, uh, it was because of our rebellious deeds that he was pierced and because of our sins that he was crushed. Again, this is all for us. It is all about us. It is, it is directed at us. This was the gift of God for us. He endured the punishment that made us completely whole. Don't forget that phrase, completely whole. It made us completely whole. We're going to return to this theme of complete wholeness over and over again for the next hour. And in his wounding, we found our healing. Now, if you are familiar with the King James like I am, you know that this verse 5 says something like he carried our diseases and he bore our sicknesses, right? And, and the chastisement or the punishment uh, that was required to bring us peace. The word of the King James is peace. To bring us peace was laid upon him. As the old hymnist said, he paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washes white as snow. It was laid upon him. Hear, hear me, please. Um, the whipping, that the, the, the punishment for the sins of the world were laid upon him. Now, if, if you are a black person, you understand that, that especially, you know, we, especially we baby boomers and earlier, uh, we, we, we know nothing about a, a whipping, but we know all about whoopings. And, and so culturally, <laughs> to be accurate here, he took the whooping for us. I, I've never had a whipping. I wish I had some whippings. <laughs> but, and look how I turned out. Hallelujah. <laughs> but he took the whooping for us. All that was required to bring us peace. Very important. Very important word. Remember complete wholeness and remember peace. Because it will be the theme of our time together. And in his wounding, right? We found our healing. And we know that verses four and five are direct reference at least to physical healing, because in Matthew 8, 17, this, this same passage, part of it is quoted again after the Lord Jesus healed an entire town of all of their sicknesses and disease and all demonic spirits, all kinds of bondage and all kinds of maladies were taken off the people in one night by the Lord. And Matthew says, ah, this is in reference to what Isaiah prophesied in chapter 53. So we know that this is talking about our physical healing, that he took the whooping for our physical healing, that the stripes laid upon him. And again, Isaiah is extremely comprehensive and exhaustive in describing this because at the end of Isaiah 52, he says that the Lord was beaten to a pulp, that it was as if his, his body was meatloaf or hamburger, that 
the, the cat of nine tails the, and, and the, the, the glass and the metal that stripped and, and just lavished his body, that it produced a broken down physical state of being. And yet, and I don't know how he did it, but yet he carried that old rugged cross up the hill. That's why he had to have a black man help him, I'm sure, take it up to the, to the very top because I don't know how his body physically could have endured the cross even before they put him on it. But he got up there by God's grace and he went up there for us to bring us healing. So this peace is a direct reference to healing. But then in verse six again, in verse six again, like wayward ship, sheep, we have all wandered astray. Each of us has turned from God's path and chosen our own way. Even so, Yahweh laid the guilt of our every sin upon him. I, I'm stressing that he paid it all. That's what the hymnist said. He paid it all. He paid it all. He paid it all. It's all paid. Paid in full. There's no more to pay. This is going to be extremely important to remember. He paid it all. Because what God is saying to you in this season and for the rest of your life is that it's paid in full. What? Well, that peace that is referenced in Isaiah 53, that peace, which is one of Yahweh's deepest desires, verse 10, to be fully accomplished. But let's move on to Psalm. Psalm 35, verse 27. Psalm 35, verse 27, because it also references this peace. May my friends, those who want my vindication, sing and shout for joy. May they always say, praise the greatness of the Lord, who loves, delights, takes pleasure to see his servants do well. The peace, prosperity of his servant. This is a fabulous promise from God. It describes God's heart. It, it unveils God's heart for us that what he wants us to have is this wonderful peace, this wonderful prosperity. And it clearly says, if you know the King James, it says, let the Lord be magnified, who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, we know in the Hebrew, and we're going to break this down in detail, but we know in the Hebrew that the word prosperity here is peace. The same peace that was referenced in Isaiah 53 for healing is here referenced for prosperity. That God is magnified and the Lord receives magnification and the Lord is praised, his greatness is praised, when? When we do well. Why? Because he loves, he delights, he takes pleasure. He loves, he delights, he takes pleasure when he sees his servants, and I would say his children do well. When he sees them walking in peace and in prosperity. Now, it says here, servant, but I would I would tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ upped the ante. He amped it up. He ramped it up. How? He told the disciples one day, he said, you're no longer my servants. You're no longer my slaves. And, and, and it, of course, remember, we're always the Lord's servants. And they knew, they understood the context. They knew 
the breadth and width of what he was saying, that the emphasis would no longer be on them being slaves, but that he said, you have been upgraded, you have been promoted, you have been elevated to sons. And he said that servants don't know what the master's doing. Servants don't, they're not privy to what the father's doing. But he says, you are now sons and you will know and you will be privy to what the father says. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 2, the apostle Paul says that eye has not seen and ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man and woman what God has prepared for his children, for his people, but but he reveals it to us by his spirit. So we that are the sons and daughters of God, the spirit is ready to reveal to us everything that God has for us. Servants would never know these things. Servants would never be brought behind closed doors into the boardroom, into the decision-making place. But sons and daughters are brought in to know everything that the Father has for us, which naked eye could never see, naked ear could never hear, the, the, the physical heart could never receive, but the spirit reveals it to us. So if this was a promise to his servants, imagine how much more it is a promise to his sons and his daughters, his sons and his daughters, and that would be us. Even the elder brother in the, the famous or maybe infamous uh, parable of the the prodigal son or what they call the bad boy uh, in Luke 15 we see that that when the elder brother comes home he hears the noise he hears the music he hears the sounds of uh, festivities and joy and laughter and and glee and he wants to know he asks one of the servants what's going on I come in from the field working hard and you want to throw in a party and I wasn't invited and he finds out that his lost wayward brother has come home, his younger brother's come home, and he's like, he's outraged, he's incensed, he gripes, he complains, he is bitter, uh, he, he accosts his father who comes out to talk to him because he refuses to come in to the party to, to rejoice with his brothers over his brother's homecoming. And he's not having any of it. And he tells his father, this is wrong. You know, he, he, he's not worthy. He's not deserving. And he never calls, he never refers to his brother as his brother. He says, that son of yours. And so the father says, shouldn't we rejoice? But he says, and, and the elder brother says, but I've been perfect and I've never left you and I've done everything you told me to do. Lion, no one's perfect but Jesus. And he goes on and on and on. And the father says, listen, why are you griping about all this? Everything I have is already yours. And that is a revelation, a revolution for any of us who will receive it that everything is already ours. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. Why? Because it's been paid in full. Why? Because there's a bill of sale with your name on it that says that your healing has been purchased. Your prosperity has been purchased. Now, let's go to the next slide, which has Shalom 1. And we're going to go deeper now with this, this wonderful blessing that has been purchased for you. Now, the Hebrew word that is used in both Psalm 35, 27 and Isaiah 53 and throughout the Old Testament, the Hebrew word, and it is used in the Hebrew New Testament, is shalom. Of course, we know that 
even in modern Israel, modern Jewry, that, that they, they greet each other with the word shalom. But what does it mean? Uh, we know it's a blessing. We know it is even a benediction. Uh, but what does it mean? The word shalom means peace, prosperity, wholeness, success, well-being. It means peace, prosperity, wholeness, success, well-being. All of these have come to us through Jesus Christ's suffering. All of this, remember, he paid it all. Remember, he took the punishment. He took the chastisement, the King James says. He took the whooping, Chandler says, that we might receive shalom. And we know that he paid it in full. We know that all of it was laid on him. We know that we need pay no more. We know that, that the bill has been ripped up. Why? Because there's no longer a debt. There's no longer an outstanding balance. So we are to receive peace, prosperity, wholeness, success, well-being. And the last time, or maybe the next to the last time I was with you all there in Cambridge, before all things were shut down because of the pandemic, I ministered for Isaiah 53, and the focus was on healing. And, uh, and, and you, uh, you all received it, and, and, and it went right into your hearts. I know that. And, and you rejoiced in what God was saying. But the Lord told me this year, well, last year, last year, actually, months ago, he said, go back to Abundant Life and tell them that I'm expanding and enlarging their understanding of what I'm speaking to them regarding Isaiah 53. That not only have I intended for them, it is my deepest desire for them to walk in physical healing, physiological healing by the stripes that were laid upon the Lord's back because of his ultimate suffering, literal suffering. But the fullness of shalom is what I'm speaking to them. The fullness of shalom is what I want to reveal in their individual and personal and family and corporate lives as a congregation. God is saying that in this season and for the rest of your lives, he's emphasizing shalom. He is saying that he is giving you and us and wanting you and us to walk in wholeness and wellness so that we are well and whole and this is the sign of what the lord jesus christ has done for us and it is the lord's deepest desire which isaiah prophesies has been successfully and fully accomplished through the finished work of christ so that god brings into our lives peace prosperity wholeness success and will be. And then if you were to look at Psalm 34 and 14, look at it later, but you'll see that in Psalm 34, 14, David uses the Hebrew word shalom twice. It, it's rendered peace, but it's much more than our limited, shallow, superficial understanding of peace, because we say there's peace 
for instance, between nations or in a family, when there is no overt bickering and, and, and no war, no, no overt strife. But there, there could still be deep resentment. There could still be the uh, really hateful thoughts and fear between nations, fear in families, fear between individuals, fear, hatred, resentment, uh, bitterness, uh, acrimony, even in a church body, right? So just because we say there's nothing overt taking place, we call it peace. But no, the Hebrew word shalom is much more than just what we term peace. In fact, here, here is a deeper understanding that I want to show you for shalom. That shalom, the next slide, please, is wholeness. It is wellness. It is well-being. It means safe. It means you're happy. It means you're friendly. <laughs> it, well, can the saints be friendly? Wow. Okay. It means favor. It means completeness. It means to make peace. It means a peace offering. It means secure. It means to prosper. It means to be victorious. It means to be content. It means to be tranquil. It means to be quiet. It means to be restful. That this is the way the scripture speaks of the word peace in the Old Testament and the Hebrew New Testament. That when the Hebrews think of shalom, biblically, this is what they contemplated. This is all inclusive. It is not just physical and physiological healing. It is not just financial prosperity. It is, again, it is wholeness. It is wellness, it is well-being, it is safe, it is happy, it is friendly, it is favor, it is completeness, it is to make peace, it is peace offering, it is secure, it is to prosper, it is to be victorious, it is to be content, it is to be tranquil, it is to be quiet, it is to be restful. And God told me to tell you, this is what he's giving you, this is what he's highlighting, this is what he's revealing. This is what he's unveiling. This is what he's unfolding. This is all of what he wants for you. This is his deepest desire for you. That has been fully accomplished in Jesus. So, so shalom is used to describe those of us who have been provided all that is needed to be whole and complete. And it means it breaks off. Shalom breaks off all authority that would attempt to bind us to chaos. Because the opposite of shalom, we're going to understand this very much, much, much clearly as we continue uh, in this process together. The opposite of shalom is chaos. This is going to be abundantly clear. The opposite of shalom is chaos. 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 So chaos is the opposite of being well. Chaos is the opposite of being whole. Chaos is the opposite of prosperity. Chaos is the opposite of, of wellness, right? Of, of, of all that, that we have been speaking of, that, that Chaos is the antithesis of biblical 
peace of Shalom. Now, if you would look at the next slide, it's going to take us even deeper and further. So Shalom is a Hebrew understanding as Hebrew understands, it's much more than the absence of conflict, strife, or war. Again, it is rest. It is tranquility. It is prosperity. It is health. It is an overall sense of well-being. Okay. It is the God of the Bible redeeming our past, restoring what the enemy has stolen. So chaos is used by the enemy to steal what God has for us, but God, but God is restoring and God is redeeming. In Shalom, God is redeeming our past. In Shalom, God is restoring what the enemy has stolen. Now, I would ask you, I would ask you, uh, let, let's go back up to uh, those, those three slides that describe uh, what Shalom is, wholeness. As you hear this list again, think of what you right now need and require most in your life. Shalom is wholeness, it is wellness, it is well-being, it is safe, it is happy or safety, it is friendly, uh, it is favor. It means you, that you have a friendly environment, a friendly home, a friendly church, that, that there's completeness. It, it, it means to make peace. It is a peace offering. It, it means to be secure, to have security. It means to prosper. It means to be victorious. It means to be content. It means to be tranquil. It means to be quiet. It means to be restful. What do you need the most from that list? Because Shalom contemplates all of that. Biblical peace, Shalom, contemplates all of that. And Jesus paid it all. Remember, the fifth writer of the gospel, Isaiah, referencing directly the Lord Jesus Christ, that this would be his finished work. That his finished work was to give you Shalom to give you peace. His finished work was to bring you into and to redeem your past and to restore what the enemy has stolen from you and from me. So uh, the next slide, again, the Hebrew word shalom has a very different meaning than just the absence of war. The root word is shalom and it usually is rooted or usually it is usually used in the context of making restitution. When a person has caused another to become deficient in some way, such as loss, a loss of livestock, it is the responsibility of the person who created the deficiency to restore what has been taken, lost, or stolen. What has been taken, lost, or stolen. So the verb shalam literally means to make whole or complete. So God has not caused anything to be stolen from us. God has not caused anything to be taken from us. God has not caused anything to be lost by us, but he has stepped in as the role of the one who will restore and who will redeem. He has taken responsibility upon himself. He says, I'm going to restore. I'm going to redeem. I'm going to make sure that you are made whole and you are made complete. You are made whole and you're made complete. And so the noun shalom, the next slide, has the more literal meaning of being in a state of wholeness or being without 
deficiency, being in a state of wholeness or being without deficiency. This is what God is speaking to you all at Abundant Life. If you're in a community of Abundant Life, this is what the Lord is saying. This is what he's bringing you into. This is what he is amplifying. This is what he is highlighting. This is what he is exposing. This is what he is focusing on. This is what he is hammering home. This is what he's drilling down on and in into you. Wholeness and completeness. He wants you whole. He wants you complete. Why? Because peace is wholeness. Shalom is completeness, is not having anything lacking. Listen, it's being a complete person. A complete person. It is living a full life. A full life. A full life. A full life. The enemy has tried to rob us and to only allow us to have a partial life, a fraction of a life, but God wants you to have a full life and to live a full life. And this is the peace that he promises and the peace that he gives. And Jesus said in the gospel of John, he said, the peace I give you, my peace is not like the world's peace. And he said, the world can't take it away from you and the world can't give it to you. The peace that he's referencing is a peace that comes from him. It is shalom. It is the power of the blessing of shalom. Now, some of you know that uh, God really touched my heart several years ago about the blessing and about uh, ministering the blessing, understanding the blessing, about giving the blessing uh, to my own children. Uh, to to everyone, my own wife, to, to others that I love, that others that God places in my life, and to understand why this is so important to God, why it is one of his deepest desires. We know that there is what is called the Aaronic, the Aaronic blessing that is legendary for believers and those that understand uh, how the Old Testament how God spoke to and commanded the blessing. But at number 6, 24, 25, 26, number 6, 24, 25, 26, we won't read it all um, in this minute, but we will focus right now on the last, the last part of that ironic blessing. In other words, God commanded Aaron, the brother, the older brother of Moses, to give this, to pronounce this, to announce this benediction blessing upon the children of Israel, whenever they met, whenever they congregated. He said, do not end any meeting, do not end any gathering without speaking this blessing over my people. Now, no matter what God said during the meeting or no matter what the subject matter was, he says, the last thing I want them ringing in their ears, ringing their ears is for them to hear the blessing that this is my heart for them. This is my will for them. This is my command for them. This is my desire for them. This is what I want. And so the last part, the last verse of number 626, 
and, and we'll, we'll look at all of it in a few minutes. Of course, they're prophetic minutes, but nonetheless, in a few minutes. Is that God promised us that he would give us peace. The last thing that the, that the Jews heard after a meeting, and, and the same blessing would be given every Shabbat to a Jew. Every Shabbat, they would hear this ironic blessing, along with uh, individual blessings and family blessings that would be given by the Father primarily in that culture. But it's good to know that all of us can bless. So it's not just, uh, not just relegated to the Father, but all of us can bless people, and we are called to. But that's a whole nother sermon. But the last verse says, the Lord says, and I give you peace. Now, the word, of course, in the Hebrew is shalom. Shalom. The shalom we've been referencing. The shalom that is wellness. The shalom that is completeness. The shalom that means there's no deficiency. There's nothing lacking. There's nothing broken. The shalom that says even that there's, there's abundance because there's prosperity. And there's, there's the fullness of life. Shalom. The fullness of life. Shalom. Very, very interesting. But before I tell you this, uh, there's also, you can jot this down, but look at Luke 19 and 10 later, 19 and 10. But you'll see that in the New Testament, that especially in the Gospels, when it refers to being saved or salvation, that the word in the Hebrew, excuse me, the word in the Greek, I want to say, the word in the Greek is sozo, S-O-Z-O, S-O-Z-O. It is sozo, aha. You are so wonderful, Tonya. You have everything. All right. So go back to that first slide. Go back there. Oh, right there. Go back to the first slide. The, the Luke 19 and 10. Okay. So uh, rather, don't listen to me. Go back to the other slide. Thank you. You were right, Tonya. I, 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 you know, I don't need to think for you. You think for me. Can you go back to the other slide, please? Thank you. Great. Okay. So sozo is a Greek word. It's best defined with multiple terms. No, listen if there's any similarity to the Hebrew shalom. It means delivered, it means saved, it means restored, it means healed, it means rescued, it means preserved, it means made whole. Did you hear that? It means so, so salvation, salvation being saved, receiving salvation through and by Jesus Christ means deliverance, salvation, restoration, healing. You've been rescued. You've been preserved. You've been made whole. Does it sound familiar? Okay, so that we can understand that, remember, the Bible is written by Hebrews. So these Hebrews understood that the Hebrew word was shalom, but they chose the Greek word to be sozo. They understood that what God does in us is holistic. That what God does in us is multi-faceted. That what God does in us is multi-dimensional, multi-splendored, multi-glorious. It is not just saving us to hang on until Jesus returns or until we go and meet him in the sky. 
No, that he wants us to receive this deliverance, this salvation, this restoration of all things lost, this healing, this rescue, this preservation, that we are made whole, we are made complete, we live a full life, we live a full life, a full life, not a partial life, not a fraction of a life, not a percentage of a life, and that he has paid it all, that Jesus brings this, he has paid it all. Look at uh, Luke 19 and 10, which, which brings it home even more. And so it says, for the son of man has come. This is the New King James. For the son of man has come, referencing Jesus, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Very important. That which was lost. Not only who was lost, but also that which was lost. Not only who was lost. Not only lost people, lost persons, not only lost individuals but to save that which was lost. Whatever was lost in our lives, Jesus brings it to us through shalom and sozo. The next translation, for man's son, the Lord, came to seek and to make safe that thing that perished. So whatever has perished, whatever has been stolen, whatever, even generationally stolen, you've never experienced it because it was it was confiscated generationally, even before you were born. Things were stolen from your family, from your family line, from your family heritage. And so Jesus comes to restore all things. And he paid for it all. And we're to experience this shalom and sozo now. Now, of course, it will be perfect in heaven. But I, I love what Jesus instructed us to do what he taught us to pray. The disciples said, Lord, John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. Teach us to pray. We're your disciples. Teach us to pray. And the second thing that he said was, you are to pray. Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, on earth, right here, right here, on earth, as it is in heaven. He said that we're to bring heaven in prayer we're to, we're to receive heaven, that in life, in Christ, that we're to believe for, and, 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 and we are to call for, and, and we are to summon heaven in the name of Jesus on earth. Heaven in our situations, heaven in our homes. God help us, heaven in our church. But we are to bring heaven, and we are to be the carriers of heaven and the purveyors of heaven. We are to be the heavenly conveyor belt that ushers heaven into wherever we are, wherever we go. That not just waiting for heaven, but we're to experience heaven now. And so my wife and I regularly pray, say, Lord, let heaven come now. That, that, and I tell the Lord, I say, Lord, since you won't let me go to heaven now, according to what Jesus taught us and how to pray, we are praying that heaven will come to us now. We know we're going to get more of it and all of it later, but we call for heaven now in every aspect of our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. And in Christ, we pray. So that shalom and sozo are what Jesus has given to us. Now, if, if you look at the at the end of the blessing more in detail in, in number 626, shalom number three, shalom number three, 
you will see the Hebrew phrase itself that, that you know, I give you, I give you the next slide, I believe. I give you, I, well, yes, next slide, we'll do that. He says, he says, may Jehovah Yahweh, he who exists, referencing the eternal one, he who exists, the ancient of days, he who was, who is, who is to come. Um, he, he is, um, he is God yesterday, today, and forever. He who exists. May he set in place all you need to be whole and complete. Wow, now this is, this is directly from Hebrew, rabbi, Hebrew rabbis and Hebrew scholars. They said, this is what this means. This is what we Hebrews understand this means. When he says, and give you peace, I give you peace. This is the last thing they heard after every meeting, every gathering, every coming together. He said, and give you peace. He said, may Jehovah Yahweh, he who exists, set in place all you need to be whole and complete. So you can walk in victory moment by moment by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the rest of it. Here's the rest of it, the Hebrew scholars say. May he give you supernatural health. May he give you supernatural peace. May he give you supernatural welfare. May he give you supernatural safety. May he give you supernatural soundness. May he give you supernatural tranquility. May he give you supernatural prosperity. May he give you supernatural perfection. May he give you supernatural wholeness. May he give you supernatural rest. May he give you supernatural harmony, as well as the absence of agitation and discord. That this is what God said, I'm going to give to my people, my children. This is what is in my heart for them. This is the way I want them to live. This is the wealth and the riches that I want for my people. This is what I want their experience to be, not just in heaven, but on the earth. And so what do we do? Well, we are to claim it by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to believe God, to please God. Well, of course, with, with, without faith, you're not believing God. But to please God, um, not, you know, not having faith is, is not believing God. It's not trusting God. It's, it's not receiving what he's saying and walking and acting on it. Notice that, that you have been called to cross over prophetically during this consecration. Well, crossing over means that you have faith. The picture that Tony prepared for us with the bridge, did you know that bridge was, looks like it's over a canyon or <laughs> between two sides of a canyon, some kind of major chasm. You know, it takes faith to walk across that thing. It looks pretty wobbly to me. <laughs> but it takes faith to cross over. It takes faith to walk over. It takes faith to leave the security of those rocks and to mosey on along across that bridge. And yet this is the kind of faith that the almighty God is calling us to cross over into and to receive shalom. So we have every right to go to God and to say, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I claim my shalom. 
I claim my supernatural health. I claim my supernatural peace. I claim my supernatural welfare. I claim my supernatural safety. I claim my supernatural soundness. I claim my supernatural tranquility. I claim my supernatural prosperity. I claim my supernatural perfection. I claim my supernatural wholeness. I claim my supernatural rest. I claim my supernatural harmony. Now, I know your bishop and the doc and the good doc. Did, did you all know that we lovingly call your pastor the good bishop, but we call his wife the good doc? <laughs> there, there are reasons for that. And uh, it's most adoring uh, of them. I know they're going to be teaching you this year about how to receive this. This is a very hard cry. I, I know these two folks. We've had many hours, many conversations, many, many, many long times of sharing. And their hearts are for you to have wholeness and completeness. And so God is answering that cry and that plea. And he is ready to move you into that. Now you see that in conclusion, uh, Shalom, well, almost Shalom number four. Uh, this, this, this last part, uh, this is also referencing verse 26. This last part is an utterance. It says, God utters this, God utters this, and that he strengthens his authority and his hand destroys chaos. This is, this is the Hebrew. This is, the Hebrews know this is what God was referencing and describing, that when he said, I give you peace, I give you shalom, that God was saying that he was strengthening his authority and his hand was going to destroy chaos because chaos comes again to steal, to confiscate, to hijack all those things that we just read are the essence and the completeness and the wholeness of shalom. That his authority covers destroying the authority attached to chaos. So when you say shalom to somebody, not only are you saying, oh, spiritual wholeness and I mean, uh, supernatural wholeness and supernatural blessing and supernatural perfection and supernatural prosperity and supernatural plenty and supernatural health, but you're also saying God's authority covers destroying any authority in your life attached to chaos. Attached to chaos. So God's coming after the chaos so that there will be no chaos and no crisis and no confusion in your life. No chaos, no crisis, and no confusion because that is the antithesis of shalom. The peace, the shalom, the sozo that Jesus paid for you to receive. So finally, so finally, we have the ending here. The ending here that uh, that what I walk you through the, the full blessing that's in number six, 24, 25, 26. Number six, 24, 25, 26. And I'm gonna release this blessing over you. Now understand how this works. This was to be spoken often to God's people. And and you know, I, I understand why now. The God wanted this to be like memorized. He wanted it written on their hearts and in their spirits because unbearably and, and undeniably, we know that there's going to be a whole lot of stuff out there that is anathema to shalom. 
that God is describing. There's a whole lot of stuff in the world, a whole lot of stuff in our families, a whole lot of stuff in culture and society that's diametrically opposed to shalom. But God said, I want you to remind my people every time that this is what I'm saying. And so they have a choice. My people have a choice to listen to me or to listen to the world. Listen to me or listen to the circumstances. Listen to me or listen to what the culture is saying, to what society is trying to dictate. But this is my word for you. And this is what I want. This is my deepest desire. And this is what I'm releasing to you. But it depends upon who you're listening to. We know in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing the word of God. It comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. We, we know it's in the repetitive Greek. We know that the word hearing is in the repetitive. It is, it is multiple times we must hear something. We, we, never, we never glean faith from something the first time. The Bible says it requires multitudinous times for us to get the faith on a particular matter. That's why every Sunday we have to go back and review the pastor's notes, review the, the message. Why? Because that's when faith comes. Faith never comes the first time. Faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing. And so I can understand why God said, you got to tell them this every meeting, every time, every time I gather them. You have to tell them this because I want this to reverberate and resonate in their heart and soul. I want them to know my heart. I want them to know this is what I'm doing. I want them to know this is my will. I want them to know this is the, this is the kingdom rule and way and reign. And so as they have faith, because we know that faith is the currency of heaven, that it takes faith to bring heaven down. Fear will never bring heaven down. Faith brings heaven down. And so that we receive everything by faith. Everything. Even salvation is received by grace and faith. Not just grace. Also by faith. So this is the blessing that God wants you to hear every time. And to receive every time. And to remember every time. And so no matter what you've been going through, no matter, no matter what's been going through you, <laughs> this is what God is saying to you. This is what God has for you. This is where God is taking you. This is God's trajectory for you. So I don't know about you, but my wife and I said, as for, as for us in our house, we're, we're going to latch on to what God is saying. We're going we're to climb on his wagon. And we're going to move with him. And we have chosen not to listen to anybody else. And I was, I was sorely tempted and tried this week <laughs> and tested this week and, you know, about who I was going to listen to. Because there was contrary uh, data, contrary information, contrary facts that were coming my way. But isn't it good to know that faith trumps facts? Hallelujah. And mercy God's mercy trumps judgment. So there may be judgment, it seems, there may be facts, but faith and mercy trump them all. Notice this entire blessing. And this is what the Lord said to speak over you right now. So you see the Hebrew, but it says, 
what it says in Hebrews 6, 24. When it says the Lord bless you, this is what it means. May Yahweh, he who exists, kneel before you, presenting you gifts. Now, just, just take that in. <laughs> just stop for a minute. That's a gospel message right there. And, and we Christians find it very incredulous that this could be the case. That God, the Almighty, would kneel before us and present us gifts. Well, we should be kneeling before him and presenting him gifts. But you got to understand that every Hebrew knows that you can't bless somebody. Now, biblically, you can't bless anybody without kneeling before them. That you honor them, you kneel before them. That the greater, in God's case with us, the greater kneels before the lesser. The greater kneels before the lesser. The greater God on his knees. And he presented gifts. And so God is, this is, this is mind-boggling and mind-blowing. God is kneeling before each of us as he blesses us for the express purpose of presenting us gifts. And I believe that he's kneeling because he can look at his eye to eye and present us gifts. He wants us to see his eyes. He wants us to know that on eye level, this is how he honors us. And this is how he receives us. And this is how he esteems us. And this is how he values us. And this is how he cherishes us. And this is how he treasures us. And he's presenting us gifts. Now you think about the gifts that you need. Remember that list of shalom? Which one of those gifts, which one of those items, which one of those components of shalom do you most desperately need even right now? Well, he is presenting gifts to you. He's presenting wholeness right now, and, and he is presenting well-being, and he is presenting completeness, and he is presenting security and prosperity. He is presenting healing, physical, physiological, mental, emotional. He's presenting tranquility. Some of you just need some quiet in your life. He's some quiet in your soul, in your spirit, and he's presenting it now, and he's presenting rest. God is calling my wife and I to rest like never before, and we are inhaling rest and receiving rest. And he's on his knees presenting that to us. What is he presenting to you right now? But the Lord bless you. Next. Not only does he bless you, but it says that he will keep you. Ooh, this is good. This is a mouthful. When he says he will keep you, it says that may Jehovah, he who exists, guard you with a hedge of protection that will prevent Satan and all his enemies from harming you. May he protect your mind, body, soul, spirit, your loved ones, isn't that good? Your family, your loved ones, and all your possessions. So when it says, and keep you, he's saying he's keeping everything he's given you. He's going to put a hedge of protection around everything he's given you, everything he's entrusted to you. And he's going to prevent Satan and all your enemies from harming you. God wanted his people to know 
This is my attitude toward you. This is my posture toward you. This is what I'm saying to you. All your loved ones, all your possessions. And so as I, as I read this, I'm, I'm releasing this over your life because God said, let every spiritual leader say this. A lot of spiritual leaders say other things, a lot of other things. But this is what God commanded us to say. He, he never asked us to give our, our opinion about anybody else. He said, you say this. I don't need your opinion. I need you to say what I'm saying to my people, about my people. The next part. And then he says that the Lord make his face shine upon you. Wow. This is this, it just gets better and better and better. May Jehovah God, Yahweh, of his being toward you continually. In other words, it says that out of his being toward you continually, bringing order. Remember, the devil, the devil wants to bring chaos, but God brings the opposite. He brings order. Isn't that great? He's bringing order. And if you know anything about Bishop Lawrence Aiden Ward, <laughs> he's a man of order. He doesn't do disorder. If, you, if you're about disorder, he wants nothing to do with you. Even I have to behave around him. <laughs> but he loves me. He loves me nonetheless. People, that God also is like Bishop Lawrence Aiden Ward. <laughs> he's about bringing order. <laughs> So that you will what? So that you will fulfill your God-given destiny and purpose. You know, this part, Bishop Larry Ward could have written. Don't you all agree? <laughs> this part right here, it seemed like he quoted this. <laughs> he came out of the womb saying this. <laughs> that God is bringing order. <laughs> so you will fulfill your God-given destiny and purpose. Isn't that great? Your God-given destiny and purpose. Isn't that good that his face is shining upon you and me? Why? So that out of his being toward us continually. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? I, I, I just jumped the whole sentence, didn't I? He who exists, illuminate the wholeness, illuminate the whole, you're going to hear this phrase again, illuminate the wholeness of his being toward you continually, bringing order so that you will fulfill your God-given destiny and purpose. Isn't that rich? That this is what God said, tell my people, this is my agenda in their lives. I, I can understand the difference it would make if God's people would remember this so that no matter what happened, no matter what went down, they remember, calm down. God's got an agenda. God's going to have his way. This is not going to change what God has already purposed for my life. He's still on point. He's still in command. He's still ruling and reigning. And he's still going to bring order so that it will, I will fulfill my God-given destiny and purpose. Next. And here we go. And be gracious to you. And be gracious to you. May Jehovah God, Yahweh, he who exists, provide you with perfect love. Perfect love. Some of us are looking for love in all the wrong places. With perfect love. Some of us got married for love. And we found out what a mistake. You don't get married for love. You get married 
to give love. Ooh, that's rich. Oh, that's good. Good preaching, Pastor Chandler. You don't get married for love. You get married to give love. And God says, you can do that because Yahweh, he who exists, provides you with perfect love and fellowship, never leaving you. And he gives you sustenance that is provision and friendship, provision and friendship. Next, we're almost finished. And when he says, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, also some modern English translations will say, the Lord turned his face toward you. The Lord turned his face toward you. That it means, may Jehovah God, Yahweh, he who exists, lift up and carry, lift up and carry the wholeness of his being. So we saw this also when it said that his face was shining upon us, that he, that what he says his face is a reference to the wholeness of his being, the wholeness of his being. So that's why he tells us, that's why he told David, seek my face, seek my face. He says that several times in the scriptures, seek my face. I want the people to seek my face. And it's because when we seek his face, we will receive the wholeness of his being. That in his face will be revealed the wholeness of his being, all that he is. All we need to see is his face. That's all we need. It will tell us everything we need to know. The wholeness of his being toward you. Bringing everything. Listen, please. Receive this. Bringing everything that he is to your aid. Supporting you with his entire being. Supporting you with his entire being. Wow. Supporting you with his entire being. Next. And then give you peace. This is the, this is what the crescendo, the icing on the cake, cherry on top. May Jehovah Yahweh, he who exists, set in place all you need to be whole and complete. All you need, all you need, all you need, all you need. All some things you don't know you need, you need. Some things have never, never been revealed to you, but you need it. There's some things we need we don't know we need. But God sets in place all we need to be whole and complete. And sometimes the very thing that we try to avoid and we try to discard and dismiss is exactly what he sent because he knows what we need to be whole and complete. We think we need something else. We think we need somebody else. But God knows exactly what we need to be whole and complete. And sometimes we are adamantly resisting the very thing he's setting in place. The very thing he's setting in place. We need to be whole and complete. Why? Because he wants you to walk in victory moment by moment by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of 
the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of, I'm learning anew and afresh the necessity of the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything depends on the power of the Holy Spirit. I just discovered, I just discovered that Jesus absolutely depended upon the power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that until a few months ago, I was reading uh, where Jesus uh, rebuked the Pharisees and the religious leaders for accusing him of being empowered and, and led by and, uh, and driven by uh, Satan, uh, the prince of devils. And he said, he said, watch it, boys. He said, he said, you can say something bad about me and be forgiven. But you, you better not say something bad about the Holy Spirit because that's unforgivable. And so Jesus was saying, you're accusing me of operating according to a devil's power or demonic power. When I'm operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, you're walking on dangerous ground. And I saw it. Jesus operated in and under and according to the power of the Holy Spirit when he was on earth, just like we need to and we must. So the last part of this, the crescendo, the rest of it give you peace. So may he give you supernatural health. May he give you supernatural peace. May he give you supernatural welfare. May he give you supernatural safety. This is not human. This is not recycled human safety. Supernatural soundness. This is supernatural tranquility. Supernatural prosperity. You can do a great job, yeah, some of you have done well, but there's a supernatural prosperity you've never tapped into and God needs it. You know why? Because you may think you have money, but you don't have enough for what the kingdom needs. You don't have enough for what the kingdom needs. That's why supernatural prosperity is required. Supernatural perfection, supernatural wholeness, supernatural rest, supernatural harmony, as well as the absence of agitation and discord. So look at this list here, look at this part of the blessing and hone in on one or two things you need the most. Hone in on that right now. Hone in on it. Hone in on it. What is God telling you? This is what I want to focus on. This is what I want to put my finger on. This is what I want to highlight. Because God is saying that you know, maybe you've known shalom as physical healing. Maybe you've known shalom as financial prosperity. Maybe you've known shalom as something else. But God has said, I want the wholeness of shalom in your life. I want the wholeness of sozo in your life. I want all that I have paid for. He paid for all of it. That's what he told me to, to, to drill down with the help of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, to drill down in you. He's paid for all of it. Why would you only have a part of it when he's paid for 
all of it. He paid for all of it for you and for me. So would you dare not receive it all when Jesus paid for it all? I mean, all that he suffered, would, would, would you only receive and claim and, and appropriate by faith a part of it? When he suffered such an atrocious death so you could receive all of it? So what on this list do you require right now? Would you just put it in the chat? What, what, what is it that God is saying? This is what I'm focusing on. This is, this, is what I'm, this is what I'm being with you about right now. Go, go ahead and just write it in the chat. Um, so we can just affirm what God is saying and, and we can, amen, amen, amen. We can affirm what God is saying. Amen, yes, yes, yes. Absolutely, yes, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's what he's saying. Yes, 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 yes. This is what he's giving. He's on his knees presenting this to you today. He's on his knees. If God's on his knees, you better pay attention, right? I mean, imagine he's on his knees to give this to you. I think we should stop. And listen to what he's saying and what he's giving. I think we should stretch our hands out. I think we should receive and say, Lord, I receive it. I receive your shalom. I receive the fullness. I'm tired of living a partial life. I'm tired of living a half-life. I'm tired of living a quasi-life. I'm tired of living a, just a portion of what you have for me. I want it all. I want it all. You paid for it all, then I want it all. You bought it all, then I want it all. If there's a bill of sale with my name on it for all of it, then I want it all. I want it all in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. I, I do want to prophesy to all of you um, that from the Lord, that there is a sweet harmony that he is bringing to all of your families and all of your homes. And it is going to be supernatural. <laughs> and so don't trip over it. Don't make any comments. Just receive it and rejoice. Um, this is what he's doing. He is causing you to come together in unity. And he's causing there to be a supernatural agreement. And he's calling and he's commanding that there's going to be a supernatural unity, even in the church, because there's some things that must be accomplished to set up for the future. And he doesn't need anything but unity. And, you know, God's not forcing anything on anybody, but he's supernaturally given unity. And so you can have it if you want it. If you want it. If someone wants to be contrary, well, God's not going to stop you. But there's supernatural unity for this house and there's harmony like you've never known it before there is inner harmony there is inner peace there is inner tranquility there is inner serenity there is inner an inner anchoring in christ and in his word like never before 
You are not going to be tossed to and fro. You are not going to be uh, buckling anymore in your knees. God's going to bless you to stand. God's going to bless you to be erect. God's going to bless you to be strong. Well, you've never been strong. And there's a supernatural strength coming to this house. And there's supernatural prosperity coming. There are things, again, that must be done. Transactions that must be done. There is property that must be purchased. There is property that must be received, says the Lord. And so you're going to walk in the supernatural prosperity of the Lord. And God said, as you will guard your hearts and as you will protect your hearts and as you will require harmony in your heart and out of your heart. The Lord said, don't have any harmony with the enemy. Don't have any harmony with evil. Don't have any harmony with wrong, but have harmony with what God is saying and what God is doing. That God is opening the windows of heaven over those who will have a heart of harmony, a heart of harmony, a heart of harmony. The Lord is blessing with a heart of harmony and blessing and goodness. So just know that this is a time where the supernatural is not just going to be in physical, and shall we say, um, physical miracles uh, in terms of just healing. But God is bringing holistic miracles. God is bringing total miracles. God is bringing entire miracles. God is bringing well miracles, wellness and wholeness and completeness and completion. God is completing some things that he has begun because he promised he is faithful to complete and finish those things that he has begun in you. So the Lord's grace is on you. The Lord's hand is on you for good. And so receive and expect and know that the Lord is doing a great thing in you and for you. Know that. And then know that you are crossing over. Know that you are crossing over. And God told me to tell you, uh, for some of you, stop reacting. Yes, stop reacting. Because some of the things you're reacting to is the very thing that he is necessarily doing to set in place so he can bring order <laughs> to bless your life. So would you stop reacting? Uh, that's a bad habit you have, and God will heal you of that if you let him. Stop reacting. Pause before you react. Pause before you react. Pause and say, Lord, are you doing this before I react, before I show out, before I you know, let my face get contorted like I'm prone to do? Lord, before I become suspicious, before I become wary, be before, Lord, I become skeptical. You know how I am, Lord. Before I become skeptical, Lord, are you doing something that is necessary to set in place for me so you can bring order, so you can facilitate me receiving wholeness and completion. Because some of you can sabotage what God is doing because the Lord said in his word that life and death were in the power of the tongue. 
and the Lord said in his word. Guard your heart because I use your heart to bring everything good into your life. So if your heart is funky and mucky and your heart is cantankerous and your heart is adversarial and, and just angry and hostile and, and your heart is just unloving and unkind, you block what I want to do for you. But he will use a heart that will pause and say, Lord, are you doing something here? Are you, are you speaking to me here? I don't maybe like what's going down. I surely don't understand what's going on. I surely am not sure what's going on. But Lord, are you maybe doing something to set in order things for me to receive completion and wholeness? Is it possible? Before I react, before I go off, before I open my mouth and say something, I will regret and that will impact the shalom you're trying to bring me right now. Let me hold my peace. So if you need to repent of that right now, go ahead and repent in prayer. Say, Lord, forgive me for being that one who reacts. Forgive me, Lord, for my reactions. Lord, forgive me for all the times I reacted and I blocked the order you were trying to bring into my life. Some of you, again, have been resisting order, but God is just calling for order. Order is what's gonna bring the completion and bring the wholeness. Order, order is, is the way God does things. And so you have to submit to the order. You have to submit, not legalism, you know, not, not, not just rules and regulations, but there's an order in the spirit. So the Lord is speaking begging. He's on his knees presenting gifts. Receive the order that is a part of my shalom that facilitates my shalom. Receive the order that I want to give you. The order that I am blessing you with right now because it's going to bring all the good that I have for you. So the Lord says, my people, my children, I honor you. I esteem you, I value you, I treasure you, I cherish you. And you will see in this time of your life and forevermore with me, my shalom. And hear me, says the Lord, that not only do I give you peace, but I give you great peace. Because Psalm 119 verse 165 says, Psalm 119, Verse 165 says, great peace have they, O Lord, who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Nothing can make them trip. Nothing can make them lose what God has given to them. So not only does God offer peace, he offers great peace, great shalom, not just, not just peace, but great shalom for those who love what he's doing, love what he's doing. It's, it's one thing you know, to, to acquiesce and to capitulate and to submit to God's will. It's a whole nother thing to love his will and to love his word and to love his way. And God is calling for those who will love his will, love his word and love his way. And for them, he gives great peace. For those who are fighting it, you know, always, you know, just 
uh, up, you know, get upset and just your feathers are ruffled and you know you, you, you're you're coming to church and you're doing what you do and you're living your life, but there's just not there's not the peace in your spirit and your soul. You're you're just um, agitated. So God is asking you to submit your agitation to Him right now. Submit it to Him right now. He'll take it away from you, and He'll give you peace, give you shalom. You don't have to be agitated. It's not His will. It's not His way. But He wants you to love His way, and His way is peace, and it's great peace. It's shalom, and it's sozo, and He's given you all of it. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Amen.